virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a First game of the football season is upon us. West Brom on Sunday. Who's going to be in the starting lineup for the Foxes? What formation are they going to play? Will they have a new signing before Sunday? Will Pete beat Rob in this season's Fancy Football League? What do you think of the new maroon shirt? Who's going to be the star player? Where are Leicester going to finish this season? And what a start to the season for Leicester City women. A 3-0 win on their opening weekend. This and a whole lot more in For Fox Sake podcast. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and Rob Hayes, you're at the other end of the line. How are you? It's the football season 2021, 22, 23, 24, whatever it is, it's a mess already. It's an absolute disgrace. The TV's a disgrace. COVID's a disgrace. We've signed no one. Yeah! And it's only been, what, three or four weeks since we did our season review. Would you believe it? We're here again. Another season to preview on for Fox 8 Podcast. Very short summer or very short off-season, if you will. I'm very well, thank you, Pete. I'm now um, back at full-time work because the schools have gone back. Uh, And out of the 30 children that are normally in my class, only 20 came today. So make of that what you will. Uh, And I'm also not recording in for Fox 8 HQ2. I am currently in my living room surrounded basically by everything that belongs in my kitchen because we're having the kitchen done so I'm essentially so I've got a flan dish to my left I've got my microphone propped up on a box of swizzles rainbow drops some of our listeners may remember those um yeah not particularly in a very comfortable position but we're going to talk about football for the next hour and that will hopefully take my mind off it well I'm in for Fox 8 HQ, I've got a bottle of San Miguel, uh, an empty bottle of San Miguel. I've got uh, remnants of last night's curry and the belt that I was wearing, which is now off due to last night's curry. So that's the state of play that we're in now. It's uh, Everything's back to normal, apart from the, the funky old uh, theme music. What about that, eh? Yes, you've done very well with that. It makes us sound almost a little bit modern. Yes. Apart from the old goals, but there we go. You need some memories, don't you? You need those uh, those those classic moments, and uh, yeah, it sounds all right. But anyway, on to the forthcoming season, Rob, because it is just around the corner. Now, at the outset of this season, we are possibly, and I say we as in a collective of Leicester City supporters slash fans. I may be a little down in the mouth because you see what people post on the internet, you speak to family and friends, and I think at the moment people are just slightly down in the mouth, as I use, I'll say again, in what might happen this year, probably because of the end of the season and the lack of activity in the transfer window and just the state of play in the world in general and the football world. But we're going to look forward and we're going to be positive until we get to the part when we look at the negative side of things. This coming weekend, Rob, we're playing West Bromwich Albion away and it's on Sunday, it's at 2pm and we're going to have 
possibly Timothy Castagna, a 24-year-old Belgium international at either right-back or left-back, depending on whichever James Justin probably doesn't want to play or or however they're going to set up, whether they're going to go three at the back or, or not. So we've signed a footballer, Rob, to the club for, what, 20-odd million quid. Uh, the first of maybe a few, possibly even before, we play on Sunday. But, first of all, Rob, yes or no, have you ever heard of this guy before? I hadn't heard of him, but everything that I have heard and seen since uh, points in the right direction. He's of a good age. He is from a club that have almost done a Leicester in Italy, really, and come from nowhere, come from being maybe a bit of a yo-yo side or, or a bottom half of the Premier League side, bottom half of Serie A, um, and they had a great season and they had a brilliant run in the Champions League as well. Uh, I like the fact that he's versatile. It looks like he can play fullback or wingback, which is useful considering we, at this stage, don't really know which formation Brendan Rodgers is going to favour in the upcoming season, and if indeed he will favour one in particular. Um, the money is just about less than half of what we got for Chilwell, which keeps a bit in the coffers for other investments. Uh, and I think the only disappointing thing about the signing is that it's the only one so far. I think it's a very measured signing, the, the versatility of the guy. He can play either side. It's the sort of player that you would like in a squad in this kind of situation where they're going to be playing so many games, the European campaign, on top of what already would have been a very busy season. And also, it, it appears, and the proof will be in the pudding, because you sign a player for umpteen million and it can turn out to be a dud. And we've had one or two in the past, every club has. So we'll wait and see. But it's uh, it, it appears from the outset that everything seems right. Age, uh, the qualities of the guy, uh, also the, the nationality as well, being a Belgium international. 29 caps, nothing um, to sniff out there because number one team in the world. And... Um, and yeah, it's it seems to be a very solid and good signing. And also, just that slight uh, increase in, in level of player as well, just from the outset. Again, we'll wait and see how good he actually is. But it just appears that it's not your your regular kind of signing for around 8 or 9, 10 million quid or a player who's maybe there to just fill out the squad. It it actually looks like uh, this this guy is a, is a top player. Um and again, we'll wait and see. But I'm I'm massively enthusiastic about his signing. I think he could turn out to be a, a, a quite a good player indeed, and 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 a, a very 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 useful player. And we'll see in the forthcoming weeks what happens. Now we haven't signed anyone else, Rob. And at the point of uh, recording, there's there's things going on all the time. I think um, it seems that the tap has been turned on when it comes to the transfer market, if, if that's the way that you like to describe things, but it's the way I have just done. Things are starting to move. Villa are throwing money around left, right and centre, trying to buy anyone who's got two legs, and at the moment everyone's turning them down. There is movement in the market. At the moment, there are reports going around, and not just willy-nilly reports, but from um, apparent reputable sources, uh, regarding David Brooks, a player who we mentioned heavily before, uh, we parted for the summer holidays of all of about two and a half weeks. Um, how much 
I don't know because it's not really been banded around of how much it would take to get him. But um, it's been widely reported that Leicester are on the verge of making a bid for him. Uh, players are starting to move out of Bournemouth. We've seen Wilson, who was at the top of uh, our lists, go to Newcastle, who are doing good business. Uh, Lewis as well, Jamal Lewis, is um, apparently passed a medical, so he's going to be announced. And also they've bought Fraser for, well, a, he's on a free, but he'll be on a big wage. And um, and so they've done really well there. They're maybe the sort of players who are kind of padding out the squad. But David Brooks, I think it will be another good signing. A guy who's quite versatile, who can play in the Premier League. We've know we've seen that. And I've gone on record from when we played Bournemouth uh, at the end of not last season, the season before, and he stood out for me out of those kind of nippy quick players uh, in midfield and going forward, the likes of Fraser, etc. He was the one that I think. Uh, stood out also his age as well he's what 23 um first of all rob would you be happy with that signing and also how much would you think it would cost to get david brooks from bournemouth i've written a number down what's your number i think the problem is that bournemouth are obviously dealing with an exodus the manager's gone uh a lot of the key players have moved on, Ramsdale uh, alongside Wilson and Fraser, as you mentioned there. And I think that probably puts his price tag up a little bit because Bournemouth aren't going to want to lose every single one of their first-team players. And I would imagine they'll be trying to convince David Brooks if he stays that they've got a good chance of going back up first time and and him being back in the Prem. Um and time is kind of on his side, as you say, with him being in his early 20s. The, fig- the figure could rise. I I think something reasonable would be maybe early to mid 20 millions with a some kind of significant add-on package at a later date based on, I don't know, appearances or further international caps or something like that. I don't know, but... I don't think he's fully proven enough to be getting up towards 30, but I can see us having to pay early to mid-20s plus add-ons to get him. Does that get anywhere near your ballpark? I've got £25 million written down, and it would be, for me, £25 million straight up and then maybe rising to 30. If Ollie Watkins is going for £28 rising to 33 to Aston Villa, that is a lot of money. A player who we both rate, but that's a lot of money, and um, I think David, I think you've got to be talking twenty-five million at least up front, and then and then the rest added on. Uh, to which I would be happy with. I think if you were going to buy uh, Castagna and then Brooks for what you got for Chilwell, for example, that seems to me a, a decent uh, a decent deal. He's a good player at a good age, and uh, and we'll wait and see. There's one or two also irons in the fire from players that's playing over in France. Uh, Saint Etienne, one or two have been mentioned. Uh, a, a young centre half for for quite a lot of money. And again, we'll wait and see. But no Wilson, no Lewis, no Fraser, no Watkins. Uh, one player we both mentioned, Ben Rama, still with uh, with Brentford, who are having another fire sale, a bit like uh, Bournemouth, which was going to happen. Nothing's happened there, and it's gone quiet on the Arsenal and Chelsea front as well. Again, we'll wait and see. But there were rumours about Tarkovsky. I think they would have gone back in for him. If they were going to, they would have done it already. And West Ham want him. There was that £27 million bid turned away 
because they want more. I don't think Leicester will pay anywhere into the 30s for him. I think they might pay 30 million quid for him if it becomes ultra desperate. But I think if they wanted him, they would have gone and got him. Do they need another centre-half? Well, Wes Morgan is, by the looks of things, out of the game against West Brom, injured in the uh, in the pre-season friendly, and we are stuck for a centre-half because Johnny Evans is going to miss the first three games. And Kaglos Oinch, who's obviously a fantastic defender, who's playing brilliantly for Turkey, it's, it, it is an issue. We do need another centre-half, but it's that old adage, do we play Benkovic, who evidently Rodgers doesn't fancy, even though he had him on loan at Celtic, or do we go in and spend the money on a decent centre-half and we have the issue of having two first-teamers ahead of him in a 4-4-2 or in a, in a back four as we normally would play. It's, a, it's an awkward situation. It is an awkward situation, and as we speak here on Tuesday evening, uh, it's going to have to be uh, Benkovic to start alongside Suyuncu on uh, on Sunday, unless, um, and I can't see it really happening, I, don't, I can't see Christian Fuchs getting to anywhere near Premier League match fitness, considering he's not featured in pre-season friendlies yet, although he is back in training. You know, you could maybe use his experience as part of a back three, um, possibly, but I don't think he's going to be be ready for the rigours of the Premier League just yet. So Benkovic has featured pretty much in, in all of the pre-season games, so he is up to relative speed. So he's played a couple of internationals, so match practice isn't probably an issue for those two, but you struggle to see the leader there. You know, Soyuncu looks like he needs uh, an arm around his shoulder and a, and a steady head there. Um, I say steady head, Johnny Evans is suspended for losing his head at the back end of last season, but, you know, we'll gloss over that mere point. Um, we definitely need at least one more centre-back in this transfer window. I don't think we can even entertain the idea of going into this season only with the centre-backs we've got in the squad. Uh, I agree with you, we need to put a cap at what we'd spend on Tarkovsky, and I also agree that if that was a deal that we wanted to get over the line, we would have done so already. Um, I think the thing with Burnley is they had such another very good season uh, from their perspective, and they look like they've got their finances just about balanced. Um, despite their contract issues during restart, that they're, they're not under any pressure to sell, or certainly not under any pressure to sell for uh, for a cheap price, shall we say. Although Tarkovsky, I did read an article uh, yesterday, maybe, about him wanting to play at the highest level, play in European competitions, and force his way back in the England squad. So if it is a case of him wanting out, then Burnley... You know, might not want to keep a player that doesn't want to be there and, and might well cash in to reinvest in their squad. So it's one to watch, um, but we definitely need at least one more centre-back before the window closes. Yeah, I think um, I think the player will want to leave purely because of what you said regarding, and I've read the same piece about him uh, wanting to get back in the England squad, perceived kind of bias against Burnley in a way or they've reached their kind of ceiling which which they have in a way and um and he wants to restart his England career two years since he's been in that England squad and also 
he wants to earn some money as well because he's a bad injury away from dropping down the pecking order of Premier League sides and a move to a Leicester or a West Ham who are not shy in handing out wages is ideal for a player like him probably more than double his wages uh, making a move so I would think he would jump at the chance absolutely I can see Leicester actually going back into the loan market I can see Leicester looking at situation and going we need cover for three games um, the first game is at West Brom uh, the second game is at home to Burnley and you can completely forgive me for not realising who we're playing third up because there's so many games um, but whilst you're looking for that Rob um, oh I'll find it actually I can see Leicester maybe going back in the transfer market going back in the loan market someone like maybe even a Ryan Bennett because you're playing against especially Burnley Bennett would be fine because it's going to be land of the Giants technically Benkovic actually should be okay at home to Burnley because they're going to be pumping the ball long and with his height he should kind of be okay West Brom again I can see him being okay uh, with them playing the EFL Cup per third round against Arsenal we might as well discuss that what a terrible draw really at home to Arsenal but with the fixture list we'll wait and see it's a away at Man City is the next game in the Premier League so yeah talk about chalk and cheese then so I can see them maybe going into the loan markets and and picking someone up as temporary cover who might be a player like Bennett who's looking for a move and would obviously try their hardest and maybe try and get a move to Leicester or the loan continues for the full season and earn some decent money or possibly show up well to get a permanent move to another club. That could be an option. We also still need that winger now whether David Brooks would be sufficient because he can play in the middle but also out wide. I think if they were to spend £25 million, for example, on him, I think that would be it. And then there is the centre-forward option, which we know the person's going to be behind Jamie Vardy, but there's been no movement yet with one or two linked forwards or forwards who you think will be on the move, uh, Edward being the main one at Celtic. So there's still all to play for in the transfer market, which doesn't close until the start of October. The second, I think it is, is when the Europa League draw will be made. So that'll be exciting when it comes around. But uh, there's still so long to go in the transfer window. It's completely up in the air. And I don't think anyone should panic if, come West Brom on Sunday, we don't have anyone else in because there is still so much time and notoriously clubs leave it late. They do. Panic isn't the word. I think frustration is the word from my point of view we have known for a very long time that the season was going to end very late and known for an almost equal period of time that the new season would happen very swiftly afterwards um I don't know the ins and outs of football transfers there are so many parties involved these days that I've got no idea what it takes to get a transfer over the line I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do but it is frustrating from a spectator's point of view from a fan's point of view that the only signing that we've made so far is Castagna. And even that, in terms of proximity to the West Brom game, is pretty late. He signed for us essentially when he was on international duty with Belgium. So he's 
I mean, there's more internationals over the tonight and tomorrow night. So he's he's not even going to be linking up with the with his teammates, his new teammates, until Thursday, Friday, probably. So, do you, do you risk putting him in a couple of days in? I know some teams do. Some signings go straight into the team, and and I, and I'm sure he'd he'd acquit himself well. But and I know we haven't had the preseason to embed new signings, but you would at least want them to have some familiarity with the squad before they go into the game. Now, you might say that it's a similar situation for lots of other clubs, and it is to an extent, but you've got to look at a club like Chelsea, who we were very, very in close competition with the season just gone. They did their transfer business very, very early doors. And yes, they have had a couple of windows where they haven't been able to recruit, so it was even more paramount for them. But... They've got some serious signings over the line in plenty of time. And it's just a bit frustrating. I'm not going to blame anybody. I don't know. I wouldn't know where to start with who to blame. But it's just a bit frustrating that we've just got one name at the moment and that one only dropped a few days ago. You know, it's it's really going to take... You want your first couple of games of the Premier League to give you a barometer of how the rest of the season's going to go. We're not going to get that. And I don't think we're going to get that from many teams, to be perfectly honest with you. But it would be nice to have now, right now, an idea of what Leicester's best eleven would be for the rest of the season. Or what their match day squad might look like. We've got no idea. We've got no idea whether Leicester are going to come out with three or four new signings before the window close closes. Or whether Castagna is is the one, the main one that they're going to get over the line and, and then they're going to dip in with the odd loan and promote another youngster. We've got we've got no idea and it's being in the dark a, a little bit and being so close to the start of the season that, that I feel a little bit frustrated about. But I can understand um, why it's happening with the short timescale. I think after the transfer window closes at the start of October, give or take then another game, so let's just say uh, into the second week of October, the lineups for every side in the Premier League compared to the first weekend of the season coming up will be chalk and It'll be absolutely one, well, six or seven changes. They'll be all over the place because you're right. If you've signed a player in the last seven to ten days, more times than not, they're not going to be in the starting lineup. They're going to be coming off the bench. Sometimes. They might go into the first team, maybe if they're a centre-forward, for example, they might go straight into the first team. Or if they're a goalkeeper, for example, who'd been bought for the first-team duties. But a full-back or a centre-half, normally, or they'll probably be given a, a time on the bench to acclimatise the club and sort themselves out behind the scenes and that. But um, at the moment, it's, it's just a complete mess. Now, every club is in the same mess, but... You look at the two results pre-season, which I know you can't take an awful lot from, but 0-0 against Sheffield Wednesday, Blackburn 1-1. It's an Armati score in a player who who might actually be playing centre-half. Who knows? It's, it is looking quite worrying when you marry that to the end of last season. But we'll, we'll wait and see, because who knows? Who knows what formation we're going to be playing on Sunday, whether we're going to play in the three at the back or whether we're going to have Thomas at full-back or whether this new guy is going to come in. We've still got players coming back from injury, and who normally would be fine over the uh, over the summer, but because the summer was only a few weeks, it, it's just not happened. It it is it is worrying, but I think we have to also realize 
that every club's in the same boat, bar one or two, who I would include Chelsea in that because they they do look very very strong. But uh, but we'll wait and see. Um, on to more important matters though, Rob. Really really serious stuff now. Do you like the new maroon third kit? Do you know what? I do. I actually quite like it. Those people that are saying, oh, it looks a bit too much like Villas. Nah, it's a, it's a slightly different shade. It's it's an interesting take. It's not necessarily a colour that I would have ever thought of for a Leicester kit. But I think the fact that you do have these third choice kits these days does allow you to be a little bit more creative without without um, doing any damage to the club's traditional colours. Uh, and having seen it in action in one of the pre-season friendlies and, and in the pictures and that, I think it looks pretty nice, to be honest. What about you? Are you going to say no? Well, first of all, I love the impression. Do that uh, that Villa uh, link impression. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, no I, uh, I don't think it looks like Villa or West Ham. I think it's a it is a different colour. I mean, claret, for example, claret and blue. But this is a a darker, you know, a maroon. Um, no, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And nah, I've not seen it up close in person. So I need to see that first because I wasn't too enamoured with the home shirts until I actually saw it in shop and then bought it for the first home shirt for a long time. So. That that shows you opinions can change when you see it, and I might like it when I see it up, up front. But no, I I didn't like it. It it no, it wasn't uh, wasn't my cup of tea, and I don't think the white one's very good either. Um, but then again, it could be worse because in terms of kits, Manchester United have got the worst third kit in the world. That black and white stripe or black and white zebra nonsense that is plainly awful. It's absolutely dreadful. If you haven't seen it, you will do soon because I think it was released today, so it's going to be in all the press. If they had kind of a zebra pattern across the entire shirt, then okay, there's the look. But because it's in kind of sections, so it doesn't match up, it's like someone's done some wallpaper, but it's not matched up right. It's it's an absolute mess. And but there you go. It, it could be worse. I, I mean, they can't play in that. I, I, I'm going to say right now, this is my prediction for the... We're going to come on to the predictions now, but this is my prediction for the entire season, Rob. Okay. Manchester United will not wear that shirt in a Premier League match because I think it's going to go down so badly that they're going to put it on and go, do you know what? We, we just can't wear this in an actual game and it's just going to be a kind of novelty shirt that's never worn. That is a tremendous piece of perspective there, Pete, considering that it's very, very clear that you do not like the Leicester third shirt at all. To to drag Manchester United's zebra camo, whatever it is, thing into it is uh, is a very good way of, of keeping yourself grounded. Uh, there, there was a picture of Harry Maguire doing the rounds um, on social media. Uh, poor, poor bloke, really, because... He becomes very high profile when he becomes the world's most expensive defender. He has some absolutely calamitous games for Manchester United early doors. Granted, he, he, he did get better as the team got better. He has that incident in Greece and now he's being made to stand and wear that absolute shower of. It's terrible. What what incident was that? <laughs> the, the incident that he technically got found guilty of 
but has now appealed. So technically he's not guilty until the appeal happens. Which... Hashtag 63 grand bar bill. Hashtag do you know who do I am? Do you know who I am? Um, <laughs> unbelievable. I am the captain of Manchester United. Can't you tell from my black and white zebra I am. Shirt I am an overpriced <laughs> slabhead wearing, I've nev- wearing tacky safari gear. I've never earned so much money, so I've just blown all this money with my close family and Judd Trump for some reason, <laughs> former world snooker champion. <laughs> As you do. I mean, I mean, what, what else? What else are you going to do with that much money? <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but but it is kind of in a complete. It is, it is kind of because we don't know the bloke anyway. But there you go. <laughs> That's that. I mean, we've had our stuff in the past, haven't we? When I say we, we being the royal we, the football club. But um, on to um, on to predictions then for the season. Now, I asked you, Rob, to think of maybe a star. So this season's kind of star player, who you think is going to have a really good season. Uh, and also on the flip side as well, who, who might disappoint maybe again or start to drop off or just never really figure. Anyway, I... Go on, in. I think you should go on. You go first. Who's your Who's going to be your your star players? Star players. I think Harvey Barnes is going to go to a a, a new level this season. I think we saw uh, more than flashes of it. We saw we saw some good examples of the the direct impact he can have on games uh, last season, which was a big step up from the season before. And I still think there's a lot more to come, and I think this is going to be the season for it where he finds that consistency of providing ch- chances and scoring goals. Um, could even, you know, reach double figures, possibly, if he's playing regularly. And it depends what system we're playing. But I think Harvey Barnes is is uh, is in a position to, to step up to a new level. Um, I also think that James Madison will will shine more because he has been given the backing of a new contract, um, which is something we haven't discussed, obviously, because we haven't had a podcast since it happened. But it's um, it's a positive move when, you know, Chilwell leaving could have sparked a, a mini exodus um, with potential bigger clubs uh, as suitors for Madison, or certainly in the papers anyway. Um, so him signing a new contract, I think, will will give him a greater sense of responsibility, which which he seems to thrive off. And if we can keep him not just fit as in free from injuries, but fit enough to be coping with the demands of Premier League football, then that would be fantastic. Now, I, I, the issue there is to to hit the ground running in the Premier League you could have done with a an injury free and and strong preseason and we've not seen him yet so so it could take him a little while to get going but i i think those two players are of an age and of an ability where they could both go to the next level this season well i've got uh, i've got a few down actually but i will say i've got madison new deal but i've also got him brackets we have to be aware that when it well when he comes back from injury, it will take a while for him to get back to full pace. Um, I think also this injury might almost kind of scare him in a way because he's seen his his best friend at the club leave, 
And he knows that a really good season under his belt, he's got the potential to go to a huge club for a lot of money and earn a fortune. And him not playing at the start of the season is going to do great harm for that. And also, this is the first real injury he's had since being at the club. He's been injured before in his career. But this is really the big halt in his in his Leicester life so far. So it might be, along with the new contract, kind of a not a wake-up, because he didn't really need that. But I think it could be the making of him when he looks back in two years' time as a regular England international playing for Leicester, hopefully. And he'll look back on this time and go, that was kind of the... the the wake-up call, I'm going to use it, but not in the sense of it, he needed it. Um, I've also got uh, two other things. One is a player who has been probably the star player of pre-season, but I would have said him anyway, and that's Ken and Dewsbury Hall. Okay, He, to me, in, and I know it's just one goal, but um, in the goal he scored at Birmingham, the way he took that goal... And he looked a level above anyone else on the field at that time. Okay, Yes, there were players like Yuri Tillemans who were just making their first start, etc. But he looked a step above. He looked quick. He looked eager. And I know it was against a, a young reserve team or whoever from, from Birmingham. But he then moved into the games against Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn and still stood out. And... He's that player who is, as you said to, about Harvey Barnes, he's going from level to level. How old is Kinnan Dewsbury Hall? I think he's, um, is he early 20s? He turned 22 on Sunday. Yeah, so he's not, so he's, he's, not he's not the teenager from the academy that's just starting to break through. He's had a bit of first team experience and, and you know, 22 is an age where you, you've got every right to be playing in the Premier League if, you, if you're good enough. Um, and I agree with you. He's very stylish. He looks very stylish, doesn't he? I think left footers quite often have that about them anyway. But he looks very cultured in the centre midfield. He's, his technique looks excellent. It, and I think we will see him quite a lot, especially in cup competitions or maybe a Europa League game against a perceived weaker opponent. Uh, I think he's going to get some game time this season. I agree with you. I think so. And I think he could be that player who comes off the bench and he could maybe then force his way possibly even into a starting lineup, And some people might say I'm going over the top here, but I don't think so at all. If it's the case that they want him to be playing every week, then why not do uh, exactly what Harvey Barnes did? Go on loan. I know he's gone on loan before to Blackpool, but go to a top championship side with the understanding that he can be recalled at any time. So he could basically nip down the road to Forest or to Derby, for example, and be playing at the top end and hopefully being too good for the league, which Harvey Barnes was, really. Um, so I'm really looking forward to him this year and the possibility of him really breaking out as a star has just gone up because of the game's pre-season. Uh, but also, I haven't... I've been trying to think of a name in the last three and a half minutes for having Timothy Castagna, also Yuri Tillemans and Dennis Pratt in the side. Uh, kind of the, the three Belgian players. And I think that axis to the side is going to be possibly something that we'll look back on at the end of the season and go, that formed the basis of 
the success, hopefully, of Leicester. So I think those three are going to become very important. We know Yuri Tillemans is a is a guaranteed first-team player. Dennis Pratt, I think, is going to develop into that player and get ahead of certain players, either through a change in formation. And I think Castagna, the new signing, is going to be, again, very important. I'm going to go with... Um, the, the instead of the Belgium treble, I'm gonna go with uh, Tin 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 as the uh, as the as the treble Belgium players, the three of them. So the Tin 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 axis is going to be very important for Leicester. That's my my prediction for this year, um, and hopefully, at the point of the Tin Tin Tin, Yuri Tillemans really goes back to that form he showed on loan, and also in not just flashes but plenty of other occasions last year. It wasn't quite the big 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 season we hoped. It was still a, a good season for him, but hopefully he becomes a real bona fide Premier League star. Yes, it'll be interesting to see. I think Dennis Pratt now will be more settled at the club. He's experienced the Premier League. He's got to know his teammates, etc. Uh, having Castagna coming in gives another Belgian. Yeah, I mean, we, you always assume when a an international teammate or someone from the same country or who speaks the same language, they're going to be become friends. The reality is they might not like each other at all. But for the purposes of a football podcast, yes, three Belgians in the team is excellent. And I think Dennis Pratt, I wouldn't say he'd be disappointed with the amount of game time he got, certainly in the first part of, this, of last season. But I think he will be wanting more because if he's playing regularly in Leicester's midfield and playing well... He's got more of a chance of making it more regularly for the Belgian team. Granted, there are players like Tielemans, De Bruyne, for example, who are um, in there. Witzel as well plays centre mid, doesn't he, for Belgium? So they've got a ridiculous array of talent. But the way Dennis Pratt forces his way into Roberto Martinez's plans is by playing regularly for Leicester City. Yes, we know there's going to be a lot of games this season um, with Europe, etc. But I think Pratt will want to be more of a feature you almost felt when he was starting games, he was he was starting games because Rogers thought it, thought Tielemans needed a break rather than because he wanted to start Dennis Pratt. And you know, if you're Dennis Pratt sitting there, or not not quite in the shadow of Yuri Tielemans, but you can see where I'm coming from with that, then you would want to push yourself onto that next level and say, right, it's my second full season in England. This is where I kick on and make myself a regular starter, if not that a real headache and a problem for, for Brendan Rodgers. But if all three of them are on the pitch together, it, it will hopefully link up quite nicely. And they could if, if Tielemans and Pratt are in the middle and Castagna's playing in an advanced sort of wing-back position. We could see that. Um, and those kind of relationships on the pitch are, are important, especially when you consider that Tielemans and Castagna are both the right side of 25 and Dennis Pratt is absolutely not ancient by any means. So that could be a... a, a trio that might blossom over over this season and going forward now disappointed uh, disappointments disappointing players etc it's it's an easy it's an easy person to prod with a stick but it's going to be Damari Gray for me I just can't see him kicking on hopefully he proves us all wrong this is the season this is it um there's me Shaking, you know, wringing the neck of Demari Gray. This is it. This is your your season, that your breakout season. You're going to become a star, um, but he won't. <laughs> when we know it, probably won't happen. Uh, also, I do worry for. Um, 
Ozzy Perez as well. I just don't think he's going to be given the time in his ideal position. And I think eventually he'll probably move on from the club and he'll be that player who we never really saw the best of, which is going to be annoying, but also quite easily predictable, possibly, and all, because he's just... He's just not. Um, he he's just not performed so far in his ideal position because he's not been given the chance. He's been playing out wide. He's playing okay, and he's had moments where he looks decent. But for the money we're paid, and for the player we know, and and for the skill that he's got, um, when the games aren't going quite for Leicester, we need him really to to start to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. If I go back to my shaking Damari Gray, it, it, it when it's going fine. And when Leicester are playing well, he's a delight in whatever position because all of a sudden he can relax and he can do his stuff and he's silky smooth. He just he needs to start grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck when we need him, when we're not playing well or when we're behind. Um, so they're maybe the two players who I think will maybe either carry on with what they've been doing but maybe won't improve. I feel like every single pre season preview that's ever existed on for fox Aid podcast has said this is damari gray's season and here we sit again he looked like a game changer when he came off the bench during the the restart uh let's be perfectly honest some of the performances were so lackluster that anyone who came on with half a yard of pace and half a an eye for uh, a, a forward pass would have looked uh would have stood out um but he's looked like he's taken a bit of responsibility in the preseason friendlies as well as as being one of the more senior pros that has been around throughout the whole process. You know, he's not been injured. He's not been away on any duties or anything. He's been with the squad for the whole time. So he, he seems to have relished a bit of that responsibility, um, possibly. Uh, he might just have another underwhelming season and it's quite, quite likely. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where Perez is used this season and how frequently and in which position um, because... If we're playing wing-backs, he's not going to be able to play there. So in that formation, it's usually a sort of 3-4-1-1 or a 3-5-2. If that maybe even stretches to become a 3-4-3, for example, you know, something similar to, to what Wolves play at times, then maybe as, as a slightly wider um, forward a part of a front three where he can tuck in and allow the wing back to overlap might be his, his best position. I still don't think we've found it yet. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he goes on this season. I think we're also going to be, get or continue to be underwhelmed most often by Mark Albrighton. I just, I just don't see that he has the quality or the physicality to, to exist as a genuine first-team player at Leicester City anymore. And I don't say that with any malice. He's served the club extremely well. You know what you're going to get from him. He'll come on and he'll work hard. But I, I, he, I, he, just do, he just doesn't have the quality to be in the first team at Leicester City anymore. Good squad player and good pro to have. I'm not saying get rid of him, but be prepared to be underwhelmed, I think. And therein lies a problem for Leicester because those three are three players who are in the running, really, to start games on in wide positions. So this is where you're looking at a Ben Rama, a Brooks, a, a McNeil, for example, to come in to get some proper wingers that are not those three who we've put on the quite probably will disappoint slash underwhelm. 
I think no, um, all Brighton, and, and, and I can hear you thinking this whilst you're saying that part. Um, I think he'll be fine anyway with that role at the club, if, even if he makes three first team appearances from the from the start and then comes off the bench ten times, say in the Premier League. If that's what he gets at the end of this season, I think he's fine with that. He's had a a wonderful career. He's on good money and eventually he'll end up moving in a few years or, or whatever. Um, he seems to be the player, unless he's absolutely you know, chomping at the bit for, for a starting place and, and ends up moving somewhere. Uh, I just don't see it. I think he's he's one of those. He's, he's going to move into that Andy King kind of role um, as that player who's around and we all like. And, and what a history of the club he's got. Um, surprise. Um, what or, or, or we'll go with surprise and then we'll come on to where you think they're going to finish, Rob. Um, the surprise for the season, I think that the surprise of the season is going to happen fairly soon. And I think the surprise is I can see Leicester making a very big signing before the transfer window closes, whether that's spending money or getting a player, um, maybe on a free, but I think that. There is something up Leicester's sleeve that means if we start very well in the Premier League, that the board might go, right, we'll just open the purse strings a little bit more than they would have done normally. But also if we start poorly and and they decide, right, we, you know, we could actually really do with some recruits. But I think Leicester are going to make a good, a big signing. Now, whether that's going to be a big signing um, in, in value or whether it's going to be a big name, um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think there's something under their belt because it has been quiet and we've spoken about the transfer window already, so I won't go into any more detail, but I just think there's something up their sleeve. I think it's been too quiet and instantly people online and, and they start blaming um, the, the the director of football, etc., and and Rogers and, and and they start coming out with all sorts of all sorts of garbage really because they're frustrated. But I think there's going to be some some proper activity probably late on. But if you look over the last few years, when Leicester have been in an awful lot worse position than they're in now, um, they've gone for some big players. Sometimes it hasn't worked out, but there has been legitimate interest in some some real real talent. And I think. It's going to happen this year. Who? No idea. But I just have a feeling in the waters, and this is this is this part of the show, really. It's the what surprise do you think might happen? And that's my that's my thing. I, I think towards the end of the transfer window, something's big going to happen. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? After we've just spoken at length about um, sort of frustrations to do with lack of signings, etc., to, to pull a big name or a, or a big fee out of the bag would be exciting. It would be a statement of intent as well, I think, from Leicester because, you know, we don't like being bullied by bigger clubs. We never have done. Uh, and especially now as we feel like we're morphing into one of the bigger clubs in the Premier League, you know, with with everything that, that's going on behind the scenes, the training ground, the finances, stadium expansion, league position, etc. So to still not have the power to keep hold of somebody like Ben Chilwell because Chelsea came knocking, um, which I totally understand, by the way. You know, if you're a young lad and somebody's offering you six figures a week to live in Leicester or six figures a week to live in London, no offence to my wonderful home city, 
but the lifestyle is 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 totally different if you if you even take it away from a footballing point of view. Um, so I understand Chilwell moving, but you know Leicester don't want to continue to be a selling club. Although it works quite well financially, you know every year there's been a some kind of big name or big fee sale that has allowed us to reinvest, and and you could argue that's a good business model. But it would be nice to to make a statement in the transfer market, not for not for the sake of making a statement, but for for the for the good of the team. Yeah, and sorry to interrupt, but also we mentioned when we uh, were talking about signings on the last episode of of last season, and we mentioned about Callum Wilson and the fact that he doesn't fit Leicester's mould as a transfer target because of his age, and there's no sell-on fee, and you know his, his injury problems, etc. But we give our reasons because he's already made centre forward, um, and we can just put him straight in, and he might well be that sort of player who would start on the bench and maybe be happy with it because he's going to be playing European football and and for a a really good side in Leicester. So we gave our kind of options, but what I'm thinking is that we know what Leicester's model is. Buy players who then we can sell on and buy buy younger players, not necessarily the 18, 19-year-olds, but early 20s, just follow the pattern over the last few years. It's quite easy to see. But I think that they might make that one signing that breaks that mould, that 29-year-old, that 28-year-old player who's at the peak of their powers. Um, And and, and there's no problem with that. Yes, you've got the model to stick with, but you can go away from that every now and again. They did with Soleimani. That was their real big signing, a player that they've looked for years at and they went, right, bang, we're going to spend the money, we're going to splash the cash on a guy who's going to go bang straight into the team. And we know it didn't quite work out that way, but I think they're going to do something similar this time. And again, it's just in my waters. It could be all wrong. It could be obviously the San Miguel, but uh, it's. Uh, I think they're going to just slightly go against the grain of what they've done over the last few years. We will wait and see if your waters are accurate or if, which I think is possibly ever so slightly more likely, you're talking a bit of nonsense. More than likely. If, if the form guide is accurate, then uh, that's certainly going to be the case. Um, so what, what did you say? What was your um, your kind of prediction for the season? Maybe something left field. The problem with predicting things coming from left field is that they come from left field, so you can't predict them. Um, I don't know whether there'll be... I don't know. We could possibly end up not signing anybody and almost doing a Chelsea and seeing some of our young players play more regularly. Not, not, Not that that necessarily would be a surprise, but... You could see, you know, there's there's players that have been at the club for quite a while, like Josh Knight or Darnell Johnson. I'm not saying they're going to become regular Premier League starters, but, you know, would you have said last season or, or, or that Chelsea would have been starting all of those youngsters, you know, Gilmore coming in, Tamori starting regularly before he got injured, that kind of thing? Probably not. And also you looked at Chelsea, would you have said that Kurt Zuma, who could hardly get a game at Stoke on loan, would be starting most of their Premier League games? No, but... I don't know whether there'll be, apart from the names that we've discussed, you know, Luke Thomas and Kin and Dewsbury Hall, I don't know if there'll be one or two more that that make the step up to to become more first-team squad members. Um, and that would be a pleasant surprise, I guess. I don't necessarily know the names um, 
that 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 might come to the fore. But I know there's there's a few that have featured in preseason that have impressed, and the more time they spend around the first team, that the better they'll get, obviously, because that's how it works. We saw George Hurst come off the bench a couple of times at the back end of the Premier League season. Do I think he's ready to to start up front in a Premier League game? No, but you know something like that where one or two make the breakthrough. Darnell Johnson's been at the club for for what seems like donkey's years. And with the defensive issues we've got at the moment, oh, I tell you what, I've just thought of one. Left field, Daniel Amati, player of the season. Oh, my God. There you go. You're welcome. Look, he's very versatile. He came as a central midfielder. He He's played centre half. He's played right back. We've not seen hide the hair of him for two years. He came very highly rated. Give him a run of games. Keep him fit. We'll see. Okay, I, I, if, if we're going to go for a player like that, I want to say it's the Hamza Chowdhury show this year. It's going to be... Uh, I'm trying to find the name of... There was a youngster who, I must admit, completely not on my radar at all, who impressed. And he found his way into the team when they played at home against uh, Blackburn the other day. Midfielder. Yeah, tall, tall fella, midfielder. I was trying to think of his name when I was off on that last ramble, but then Daniel Amati came in my brain and everything else fell out. I know exactly who you mean. Tall, physical. Oh what kind of what kind of show is this when we can't find, we don't know a Leicester player's name? Anyway, it's I'll, a shambles, isn't it? Yeah, it begins with V, I think, isn't it? But uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, if that's the case, Rob, if that is the case, and they turn around and go, look, look, lads, <laughs> to the crest of the crowd, um, look, everyone. Um, this is the way we're going to go about things. We're not going to sign anyone else, maybe one or two on loan, just to bolster the numbers, but we're going to go with the youth. We're going to promote the players that you mentioned into the first-team squad, and we're going to give them a chance this year. Yes, possibly sacrifice a few places in the league, but we've got a lot of football to play over a very short amount of time, and because of the weird nature of the season, we are going to do a kind of a Chelsea and take stock this year and and give everyone a chance. And who knows, out of the um, out of the five or six players promoted, there might be two or three who become first team regulars. And if that's the case, then it's then it's a complete win win situation, isn't it? And uh, and if that's the case, I think. Leicester fans will be, yeah, will be okay with that. They'll turn around and go, okay, no problem. Um, if that's the way that we're going to go about things, fine, because they know that if it doesn't work out and Leicester finish mid-table or mid-to-lower table, then they will then invest the money next summer, for example. That's because they, they, they will still obviously have it in reserve. Um, now, Rob, where are Leicester going to finish this season? Have you written down a number? I've got... Go on, you say yours first. But well, I've got plenty. I've wrote, I've wrote up my number down. So and 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 you've got your number, and I everyone believes, everyone knows that we're not going to change because of this. But I'm just going to read out because I asked people at home, um, what, uh, where do they think Leicester are going to finish? So just a few here. Uh, Doug Follis says seventh. He says we may struggle in the earlier stages of the season. Um, and then about mid table, but then after Christmas uh, improve. Um, and then further down, the likes of uh, Nigel Beecroft says 10th and a, a Europa semi-final. Uh, Dave Lewsby says uh, he's usually optimistic, but um, unless we pick up uh, drastically, I fear, maybe watching our backs for relegation. He's going to say 15th. Uh, Ashley Parker says 7th or 8th without any injuries to key players. 
Um, and then if there is a few injuries, maybe a relegation battle. Um, we've got Jeremy Benson says seventh would be a great achievement given the European campaign and improvements made by the traditional big six, which I think we'll mention at the same time. Um, we've got Dave Hansford, uh, Hansford says seventh and hopefully a cup final. Uh, Dan Sutton says I think that will struggle in the first game of the season, but overall a good season, anything between sixth and eighth. Uh, Wilfred Armati says um, tenth uh, or seventh to tenth. Uh, we've got Packer Ken over in the States says uh, last season was an anomaly eighth. Uh, and we've got Henry Jackson, who um, no, we have a bit of information for for his column. He says, uh, from a non-Leicester perspective, he goes ninth. He's a, a feature writer featured in the, the likes of LBC and also the Times, etc., who who uh, obviously listens to the show as well. The Canadian Foxes actually says, uh, I want to say top five, but with limited acquisitions so far in the transfer window, he says between eighth and tenth. And if I just move on to... Facebook because there was a few people who got in contact here. We've got uh, Oscar who says eighth. Uh, hello to Oscar. He's been getting contact regarding trying to enter the fantasy football league, which we'll talk about uh, in the not too distant future in the next few minutes. Uh, and Mohammed as well. Mohammed Ghazali says eighth as well. So hello to everyone over on Facebook. So there's a nice kind of estimate of what sixth to I think everything from. 5th through to 15th was pretty much mentioned. Um, go on in, Rob, you go first. Which position will Leicester finish this season? Can we do this again at the end of October? Just once <laughs> the dust has settled. Well, we'll obviously we'll do it right now, but I think not just from a Leicester point of view, but I think from a, any kind of point of view to predict exactly where, every, where the clubs are going to come back. Look, predicting final league positions is, is extremely difficult. Anyway, but you can usually, for most teams, give a ballpark. Because at the moment, and I don't know whether it's just because I feel a little bit down about the lack of signings, etc., that um, at the moment I'd I'd have to go for an optimistic seventh. I was toying between eighth and seventh. I just think that a couple of clubs that finished below us last season have got more about them. And I think the the gap between the big clubs and the rest will will begin to re-establish itself this season you know I, I could I could be proved entirely wrong but I think Chelsea will be a lot better this season obviously because they've spent an absolute mountain of money Manchester United we don't really know how they're going to come out Mourinho is going to get results at, at Tottenham Hotspur regardless of what you think about him whether Arteta's period at Arsenal is now turning take, turning a corner with the FA Cup and Community Shield wins, etc. I don't know. So th- there's a lot of people to look over our shoulder at. And I think as things stand at the moment, 8th, no, 7th. I'm going to go 7th, 7th. So you go 7th. Um, well, I echo your thoughts, not with the 7th, but Jeremy Benson whose uh, tweet I read out, he says seventh would be a great achievement given our European campaign and improvements made by most of the traditional big six. I'll echo those thoughts, Jeremy, but I'm going to go eighth, actually. I'm going to go one place lower, eighth. Uh, Purely because I think the top two, Man City and Liverpool, in whatever order, will be joined by Chelsea. I think think next season it's going to be a big three, and I think there's going to be a gap between Chelsea and... 
Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool and then the rest. So fourth place will be fought over, you know, let's just say Manchester United, for example. I think Arsenal are going to run Man U close. So that's fifth place sorted. Um, I think Tottenham are always going to be there or thereabouts. And I don't think there's going to be a lot between Tottenham and Leicester come the end of the season. Um, the one club who's going to be above them both, Wolves, because they've got no um, they've got no European campaign this year. So I can see Wolves doing a Leicester, basically, and challenging that top four uh, this season. And I think then it's going to be Leicester and Tottenham in seventh and eighth. And I can see Leicester being eighth. And who knows what could happen regarding sides below, whether one side just has that, that increase in performance like a let's just say an Everton or maybe Leeds being promoted but I think Leicester if you had to pin me down it would be eighth place and which is absolutely fine because anywhere between I think most fans and and you got that from those those tweets as well I think anywhere between obviously anywhere in the top six would be would be brilliant but Anywhere in the top half of the table, really, realistically. I think fans are realistic. They look at the amount of money and the players brought in by those teams and the improvement expected in the bigger clubs, which is an easy thing to say at the start of every season, but it really does match up this year. Look at how United finished in the players they've brought. Chelsea, we've mentioned the improvements expected in Arsenal to continue. Uh, Tottenham, who knows with Mourinho, you know, he's mad as a squirrel in the bin isn't he so he's and that program what a mess I mean it, it all could go wrong but they're going to win games because they've got Harry Kane up top and and Son they're going to score goals so it's going to be it's going to be difficult but I think eighth place would be fine who knows in the cups and one thing I did mention to um to Henry Jackson actually is that there could actually be the time in the season that Leicester concentrate on the cups rather than the league if we are a very solid seventh or eighth in the league and we're in the three cup competitions i know we've got to play arsenal uh, in the first round of the league cup the third round but the first one that we play then if we get past them for example and we're going far and the fixture list is really building up we might not sacrifice but play a few youngsters in the Premier League games and sacrifice our position in the league to try and go deep in Europe and and deep in the cup competitions. And I am absolutely 100% sure that all Leicester fans would instantly nod their head and go, that's fine. We'll finish 14th as long as we're not drawn into any bother towards the bottom end of the league. But I'll take 14th for going deep in cup competitions. Um, And I'm pretty sure you'll agree with that. Yeah, I think that's the that's one of the interesting things we've got to look forward to this season is the balance, isn't it? And the use of the squad and the use of those youngsters and the use of wherever the new signings come from um, in in the context of the season. And if it's a game about two-thirds of the way through a season that's looking like being a, a comfortable top 10 mid-table finish and there's not an awful lot to play for in the Prem, but you're still d- deeper in these cup competitions. You know, you, you knockouts in the Europe in the Europa League, for example, or your, you know, your quarters semis in in the domestic cups. Then I think you have to prioritise those. And if you're playing a Crystal Palace at home, then you start Dewsbury Hall and Luke Thomas and, and those kind of players because that's what you've got to do for the for the good of the team and for the for the success. Playing them for one or two games. In the Premier League, in in return for getting your first teamers in these important cup games, 
is is what you've got to do in the season. I, I don't know necessarily I'd be happy with finishing 14th and going deep in a cup competition. Um, but I'd rather that than finish, say, I don't know, 10th or 11th and and whimper out in like short of the quarterfinals or or not make it through the the Europa League group stages, for example. You know, if you if you're gonna go drastic, yeah, fourteenth and a and a cup final is definitely better than damp squid mid table, damp squid mid level of the cup. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we've mentioned the league there and where we're going to finish in the league. Um, the fantasy football league will make a reappearance this year after the success of last year's competition, in which you flukily finished above me, Rob. No fluke whatsoever. I bided my time. I managed things very carefully, and we seem to have the the staying power. The what? The staying power? Oh, right, yeah. Well, I, I mean, my my season along with Leicester's was completely um, thrown off kilt by the pandemic. I'm I'm blaming COVID nineteen on on me dropping down the the fancy table, which I think is is the sensible decision. You know, it, it's the it's the Jose Mourinho way. I'm I'm deflecting attention away from uh, away from myself and my my shortcomings, and I, I, I'm I'm blaming either the players or, or or the media or whatever. That's that's the uh, that's what happened. But this time around, we are doing once again the for Fox Eight podcast fantasy football. It's the official Premier League fantasy football. Uh, app. So if you haven't got it, download it. It's completely free. You'll notice that's on our social media channels on at FFS pod on Twitter and on Facebook as well. We've been plugging this quite a bit, but basically it's fancy football. Nice and easy. It's the official Premier League. You don't have to use the app. You can use the website. Go to Google, type in official Premier League fancy football, something like that. It will come up. It's free to play. It's dead easy to follow, dead easy to do. So make sure you have a go. And when you do have a go, go on our social media channels to find the link. If you haven't got the link there, write this down. This is the code to enter our league. It's quite a short code, so don't worry. Okay, it's the number nine. Then V for Vendetta, G for Goal, F for Fox, the number three, and then X for X-rated. So 9VGF3X. That is the code, and it should take you through to our league, and then you click join, and you're already on there anyway, so... Uh, there's plenty who have entered the league once again. I've not actually counted up the league. I think uh, this time last year I did. Um, but hopefully we're going to have as many as last year. I think last year we had about 79, Rob. Yeah, it was late 70s. Might have even got into the early 80s by the time the season got fully underway. But if we could, if we get something like that again, it makes it nice and competitive throughout the league, doesn't it? Yeah, hopefully. And um, and yeah, so I mean, obviously I'm going to win. My team this year. Have you got your Have you got your team sorted, by the way, Rob? I've not done it yet because I am waiting until the very last moment to see what the sort of pre-match previews are like. Who's likely to actually be in any kind of physical condition to start a football match? Uh, so I'll probably do it Thursday, Friday, I reckon. Well, you can do it now and then make unlimited changes until the weekend of the first game this coming weekend. What an hour before. The first game kicks off. I think it's Fulham against Arsenal. So do your team now and then you can make those changes. Don't be a Rob and wait till the last minute. Do your team now. 
So that's the official Fancy Football app. Get it on your smartphone, the app on there, or you can play on a laptop or just the website, etc. So nice and easy and uh, and get involved. And hopefully we can have as many as last year because we'll keep up to date. We'll mention it every week on the podcast. Now, a few more things before we go. Um, a great start to the football season for Leicester women. Uh, Leicester City women's team, they've now linked up fully with the football club. Something we've been championing on this podcast for a long time. I think everyone knows that um, I work in women's, women's football a little bit and uh, and it's it's fantastic. What, what a great thing that the football club have done by um, linking the two teams under the one banner. They'll eventually be using uh, all the facilities at, at Beaver Drive, so it's going to be fantastic once uh, the men's side has moved to the new training ground. But they started last weekend with a 3-0 win against Blackburn. Um, there was a goal for Charlie Devlin in the first half, um, and then um, Natasha Flint scored twice in the second half against actually Blackburn. She's a former Blackburn player. Um, Paige Bailey Gale played very well, the last year's uh, top scorer, and uh, a really encouraging win for Leicester women because they've bought an awful lot of uh, players or signed a, a number of new players, uh, bringing in a bit of experience, a bit of um, WSL experience. They're in the championship essentially, Leicester, and they'll be looking towards promotion this year uh, because women's football is in its infancy that can happen overnight really three or four players will make an awful lot of difference especially at championship level um, games coming up uh, this uh, coming week uh, Leicester they are away actually to Sheffield United and that's on Sunday 2 o'clock there's normally a live game at half 12 and then at 2 o'clock uh, the rest of the league play that's kind of the three o'clock Saturday for men is two o'clock Sunday uh, for the women's game, if you get what I mean. And uh, and also on the horizon at the end of September, because the football season's all over the place and the women's game was hit especially hard uh, by COVID. So this connection now or under one umbrella of Leicester City Football Club came just at the right moment for the women's game because there's some clubs just going out of business. They are still in the FA Cup, Leicester, of last season. So the quarterfinals of last season's FA Cup uh, are towards the end of September, uh, which is uh, they've got to the quarterfinals, which is a great thing. They take on Man City of all teams, and that's on Sunday the 27th. So something to look forward to. Have they got a chance of beating Man City? There will be a huge price to beat Man City, but... Uh, it's it's something to aim for. It's a team that they'll be hopefully playing against next season. But that's Leicester City women. And every week on the podcast, we'll be keeping up to date where they are in the league, who they're playing, who's scoring the goals, a bit of info on the players, just like the men's side. But we'll be having kind of a, a Leicester City women's section of the podcast. Um, and, uh, and Rob, that, I think, is the first podcast of the season. Now, the last thing I want to say really is um we we sent a um we sent an email out an email out we sent a message out last uh, on the end of last season to say like you know what do people think about uh, the podcast and how because after 5 years of doing the podcast you know just do, do people hate sections of it do they want things added to it and when we came up with a few ideas there was a, a one idea particularly I wanted to was maybe have 
um, one main show and then have another show as like the preview show for um, the forthcoming games, which is you know, quite an obvious thing to do. And, and a couple of people uh, got in contact, a few, a few more than a couple, and they came out with some cracking ideas along those kind of same lines. And there was uh, also an idea about getting behind the scenes at Access, which... Um, Obviously, in the current conditions of what's going on in the world, it's that's going to be absolutely impossible. But something that we could maybe look for, maybe older players, etc., um, to have some interviews would be great. But again, maybe something for after this is all hopefully uh, sorted itself out. But um, And also, regarding that preview show, I think it's a really good idea. There is one big problem. One is that because this season is absolutely all over the place we're going to be playing Thursdays in the Europa League and we're going to be playing at all sorts of different times with the fact that there's no fans in the ground at the moment and we've not even touched that subject because it's just an ongoing scenario um, I think that we're going to stick with the format as it is purely because we don't have a regular set of fixtures and getting two shows out a week will be pretty difficult because if we're playing Thursday nights or at least midweek pretty much every week this season that's the that, that's the factor that's going to be that's going to happen and if we're playing Thursday nights especially there's no way we can then get a preview out that's going to be in good time for the weekend on a Friday it's probably going to be too late for people to listen to etc so there are reasons why we're going to stick the way it is but we like it and hopefully you do by all accounts and all the messages that we got um it seems that everyone is enjoying the podcast uh, and with the funky new uh, theme tune as well so uh yeah anything else you want to you want to mention rob on this first show no i think we've we've covered that and relatively succinctly for us as well this is not the uh not the longest uh pre-season preview we've we've had which is i think good i think that's something that we'll try and make a pledge to aim towards keeping well not keeping you from more than an hour of your lives let's say we, we aim for the hour mark ish Sometimes we're a bit short, sometimes we're a bit over, but you know we don't want to don't want to burden you with too much listening time. But we do thank you very much for listening, and we hope you're looking forward to another season of us rambling along with Leicester City's ups and downs. Exactly. Once again, make sure you join the Fancy Football League if you've never done it before. Again, it's very very easy. It's great fun as well, and uh, just rewind, and you can find all the instructions as I previously said. So up the city, fingers crossed we get a good start on Sunday on TV and then we play on the BBC in front of millions and we'll do obviously a podcast next week as a preview for that game and also hopefully announcing some mega, mega signings on the back of a 5-0 win at the Hawthorns. (laughs) 